to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, November 17th. We are inching closer and closer to our final match of the 2020 ATP season as the action in London carries on. It was day number two of round-robin play for our London 2020 group at these ATP year-end finals. That means we saw Rafael Nadal, Dominic Team, Andre Rublev, and Stefano Tsitsipas all in action. Of course, those aren't the only matches going on right now in the professional tennis world. We've got three challengers this week, as well as multiple ITF events going on across the globe. Want to talk a little bit about all of it on today's podcast. Of course, the reason we are able to do these shows day in, day out, because of the support we get, not only from you fantastic listeners, our Patreon family, but of course, from our friends over at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar. I say it every day. Look good, feel good, play good. It really is that simple. Look at Dominic Team right now. Certainly, he's feeling good on court. Adidas has him all geared out so that he is looking good on court, and he's playing good now. He knocks off Rafael Nadal today, 2-0 in his group. He advances to the semifinal round of these year-end finals for another consecutive year, and look, that's exactly where you want to be, right? He's looking good. He's feeling good. He's playing good. If it's good enough for Dominic Team, it's good enough for you. You can do that by turning to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar. Go to MidwestSports.com, use the promo code CR15. Go to AeroBar.com, use that promo code CRACKED15. All right, with that in mind, just a couple of more housekeeping items. A, it's just going to be me steering the ship, as in case you couldn't tell, uh, given Jamie McDonald, Matt Stokoyak, Chris Halliors, our entire gang, the night off. Rest assured, they will all be coming back on the podcast in various forms this week for Matt and Chris. We just recorded tonight our newest episode of our College Contenders previewing the 2021 ITA season. It's the University of Florida we're talking about this week. It was a very fun episode. I look forward to all of you listeners hearing that one, which you can find on the Great Shot podcast feed, along with our Aces of the Day, our new YouTube series, The Deciding Point, the audio on our Great Shot podcast feed, although I highly recommend you go watch that show on our YouTube channel. It's our equivalent of Pardon the Interruption, PTI, the infamous ESPN show with Michael Wilbon, Tony Kornheiser, super producer Daniel Westoff doing such an incredible job. So please be sure to go check that out. Subscribe, of course, to all of our podcasts on the Cracked Interview Show, James Blake, Manny Diaz, our latest two episodes. I know all of you listeners will enjoy those. So of course, like, rate, subscribe, review all of the shows, which you can find on our website, CrackedRackets.com. All right. With that in mind, let's talk about Tuesday's matches, preview Wednesday's action in London, and then of course, talk about some of the challenger matches we've seen unfold. Let's go chronologically, and let's start with what has been described on tennis Twitter, and in my uh, opinion, justifiably so, as one of, if not the match of the 2020 ATP season. Dominic team, a 7-6-7-6 victory today over Rafael Nadal to, as I mentioned, clinch his spot in the semifinals of this event. It was phenomenal tennis, folks, from start to finish. Rafael Nadal having set points that Dominic Team fights off in the first set breaker. Dominic Team up love 40 in the 4-5 game for Rafa. Rafa serving and volleying on a 15-40 kick serve, or yeah, lefty right on the deuce side, kick serve out wide, and it's a drop volley that I believe skids over the net tape, a beautiful execution. I mean, this match had it all, and you look at the stats from it, it reflects that fact. In this 
two-set battle. 37 winners for Dominic Team, 22 unforced errors. That shows just how well he was playing. By the way, of those 37 winners, only six aces. So even if you want to take out the serve unforced errors and winners, you know, he's 31 winners from the ground against only 20 unforced errors. Now, of course, that's incredible. And you start to think if he's playing that well, there's no way Rafa Nadal is putting forward any sort of incredible performance, right? He's probably looking human in this match. No, Rafael Nadal, 25 winners against only 16 unforced errors. This match was physical. It took every ounce of both of these players just to win one point. And what it came down to was who was the more disciplined, but also who was the more, I suppose, confident player willing to trust their patterns, willing to take the risk, be the aggressor. And the answer to that question was Dominic Team in this match. And, you know, coming into this ATP year-end finals, I said Andre Rublev was my ATP player of the year. The other guys in contention for it, Team Nadal, and Djokovic. And Dominic Team right now has moved into pole position. I don't think that's going to surprise anyone. He won his first Grand Slam this season, finalist at the Australian Open, quarterfinalist, of course, at the French Open. And you can just tell what that confidence is doing for him in this match. His willingness to say, oh, Rafa, you want to pick on my backhand? I'm going right back to your backhand. Or you want to play your forehand cross-court to my backhand cross-court? That's fine. I'm just going to take the ball early, absolutely rip it both cross-court and down the line. Keep you honest. You know, not be afraid to attack the Rafa forehand side when the moment called for it, when the space was available. And he was just so relentless with his power in this match. I mean, it speaks for itself, right? 37 winners against 22 unforced errors. The top spin for Rafa Nadal, it sometimes would just sit in the Dominic team strike zone. And when he was able to move his feet as he so is so capable of doing and run around and hit forehands, both the inside in and inside out were available to him. Again, his ability to take backhands on the rise, get pace and depth on them cross court, his backhand return holding up throughout the course of this match relatively well. Although then again, you look at it, there were only two breaks of serve in this match, one each for each player in the second set. We'll get to that in a second. No break chances in the first serve, but Considering for Dominic Team, if I told you he was going to only make 59% of his first serves going into this, or, you know, in this match, you'd say no way is he winning, but he wins 76% of those first serve points, 53% on the second serve. Again, uh, only faces two break points and is broken to go down 4-3 to Rafa in the second set, but immediately gets the break back for 4-all on a 30-40 point where he takes a big risk. He goes inside out with a forehand and he follows it in and, you know, in this match, both guys made uh, tweeners, you know, in both instances, Rafa ends up winning the points, but it just had it all, and what this match showed is Dominic Team is no longer afraid of the big stage. When you have these sorts of confidence-building wins, and you know, all of you listeners, how much I hate the cliche, how much I abhor non-quantifiable measurables, but I don't think you can, I suppose you can quantify the fact that Dominic Team down multiple set points in the tiebreaker in the first set, and he didn't blink. He hits a forehand inside-out winner on, I think it was the 6-7 point to save that set point and to go for that 
that shot in that moment to attack the Rafa forehand, that takes huevos, the sort of huevos you have, you develop when you win a Grand Slam title. And so he just looked incredible. The stats reflect that, as I mentioned, an efficient uh, 11 of 15 at the net to go along with those 37 winners, 22 unforced errors in this match. I mean, you know, he wins 52-43 in the rallies, under five shots, 22-21 in the rallies, five to nine shots. Now, surprisingly, the rallies over nine shots, Rafa, a 17 to 11 victory. And we should say, we should say, I should say, Rafa was spectacular in this match. I mean, his ability to hit these on the run forehands continued uh, continuously at this age. He's never out of a point. He never quits. I love the wrinkle he developed. We saw Sasha Zverev do it as well. Sorry, Lord Voldemort in the U.S. Open final. Rafa in this match, 21 of 32 on the net, at the net. When Dominic Team, if he's going to give you that much space, you have to take advantage of it. You have to do things like throw in the servant volley, and that's exactly what Rafa did. Now, you know, he only made 60% of his first serves, but he's 69% on first serve points, once, uh, 59% on the second serve. Also only broken once on five breakpoint chances for Dominic Team. Of course, again, went down love 40 in his 4-5 service game, holds in that game, uh, worked in the slice out wide to the team backhand on the ad side, went T on the do side. Of course, you know his patterns. You go to his backhand. He's taken that backhand right down the line, and he worked in a lot of slice to try and break the rhythm of Dominic Team, but... I mean, time and time again, Dominic Team was fine going cross-court backhand to the Rafa forehand or taking that backhand up the line. You know, the moment if he's going forehand cross-court to the Rafa backhand, the moment the court opens up, taking that ball early, cutting it off and beating Rafa to the spot down the line. And more often than not, he had success in this match. It was such a high level of tennis. Arguably, again, the best match of this 2020 season. It was a phenomenal victory for Dominic Team, who clinches his spot in the semifinals for Rafa now, you know, he's going to have to beat Stefano Tsitsipas, and that's going to be a really exciting third match. Of course, Rafa still looking for that elusive Paris title, but this had nothing to do with Rafa's performance. Him losing this match, this had everything to do with Dominic Team rising to the occasion. There was maybe one lapse of play, you know, from that two-all to maybe four-all or four-three in that second set. That was maybe when this match sort of got dull, but not really. I mean, from start to finish, both of these guys just hitting the cover off of the ball. You think a shot's a winner. It's not because of the way both of these guys move, because of how good they are in the outer thirds. It was an absolute pleasure to uh, to watch and a credit again to Dominic Team for winning this match 6-6. Six and six. Uh, That was match number one. It's funny that it was the non-three-set match that was probably the most thrilling on the day, but we also did have a three-set thriller ending 7-6, 8-6 in the third, seeing someone overcome a match point deficit. And that man was Stefano Tsitsipas, his last year's year-end champion. He emerges with a 6-1-4-6-7-6 victory over Andre Rublev now. The first set of this match was not very good. Rublev just could not find his rhythm. Tsitsipas was getting him stretched to the outer thirds. Just the lateral movement wasn't there for Rublev. He was missing backhand, or he was missing passing shots. Excuse me. He was trying to slice backhands. He just couldn't find his rhythm. He wasn't serving particularly well. You look at the numbers for him in the first set. Andre Rublev on serve. Uh, I mean, obviously, when you lose a six-one set, things are bad. But he could only make forty percent of his first serves. That's a 
controllable, and it wasn't very good in the first set. But slowly but sure, and you know, credit to Stefano Tsitsipas who dropped a total of three points on serve in that first set. That's really really difficult to do uh, to go sixteen of nineteen. On first serve points, it's about 85%. That's outstanding. You know, he, he gets the two on two break points. He breaks both chances. It was an efficient first set for Tsitsipas. But then this match got really fun. Rublev slowly beginning to find his range. He served 67% of his first serves in in the second set. Goes 17 of 18 on those points. In the third set, he makes 66% of his serves. Wins 24 of 35 on the first serve points. His level rose. And Tsitsipas stayed right there in that second set. He was 15 of 20 on first serve points. 17 of 26 overall on his serve. It was only, you know, one break of serve uh, in that second set on Rublev managing to get it, I believe, love 44-5. It was in that final service game. Tsitsipas just plays a shaky game, so Rublev gets the break of serve, and you know, outside of the first set, that's, I believe, the only break of serve in the match, and Tsitsipas had five break chances in the the third set, but Rublev was consistently able to find plus one forehands to attack the Tsitsipas backhand, and what you love about Stefano Tsitsipas doesn't matter the style of his opponent, whether it's a Dominic team and Andre Rublev, a Diego Schwartzman, a Daniil Medvedev, uh, you know, Yoshi Nishioka, Sasha Bublik, uh, I don't know who, Roberto Carbeas Benia in a first round. Tsitsipas is going to play how he's going to play. And in this match, he had the attacking, you know, his attacking was working. He's 24 winners to 16 unforced errors, an efficient 9 of 12 at the net, as I mentioned, in total in the match. Wins 81% of his first serve points, 58% of his second serve points. Uh, but what you love about this performance from Andre Rublev is that he did not play well in the first set. And in the past, mental, mentally, Rublev probably disappears in that match or gets so frustrated with himself that he ends up losing. You know, that first set was 19 minutes. It, Three years ago, four years ago, maybe even two years ago, Rublev loses this match in maybe 45 minutes, and he didn't do that. He dug in. He tried to wait a split second more, or the moment he got a shorter ball from Tsitsipas, he knew, hey, this is the ball I have to attack, because if I keep the point at neutral, Stefanos, even on a neutral shot, is going to look to attack, and Andre Rublev obviously much better when he's on his front foot than when he's on his back foot, but... You know, just Stefano Tsitsipas was consistent in his execution. He was slightly better on the second serve attacking uh, than Andre Rublev. But it feels worth noting, Andre Rublev, match point in this match, 6-5 in the breaker. What happened? He blinked. Double faults back to six all. You could tell it was in his head on the six all point, and then on the six seven six point for Tsitsipas, Rublev has an attacking forehand inside in, and he just misses it on the top of the net. Tsitsipas wins the match eight six, and sometimes the margins are that thin. And what's so encouraging again, Rublev bounces back, made this match, uh, you know, made Tsitsipas work for it, made this match absolutely a battle. But you love how battle tested Stefano Tsitsipas is back to back three-set grinds, you know, there's no mental wear on his body. He is a guy who just seems so, and Andre Rublev falls into this category as well for whatever it's worth, but he just wants to be back out there competing. He's not afraid to fail in the big moment, and sometimes that's the biggest thing. You have to not be afraid to fail. You have to play your shots, particularly when you have an aggressive style like Stefano Tsitsipas. He doesn't want to be on his back foot. He wants to be moving forward. He wants to force his opponent to hit the passing shot on him. He wants to be at the net, being the aggressor 
Lesser putting pressure again on Andre Rublev, and he did enough of that in this match. Of course, goes without saying, Andre Rublev blinked, and you know after the match he talked about how grateful he just is to be competing at this stage, how many things he has accomplished uh, this season that he didn't think were possible, and that's exactly what you want to hear from Andre Rublev. Uh, but of course, he will be thinking about this match, and he's going to give Dominic Team, uh, you know everything uh, that he's got in their final group three match. He's not a guy who's going to take the match and be like, you know what, this season's over for me. No, no, no. Would not shock me at all if he wins that one. Of course, Tsitsipas Nadal, that's that's popcorn sort of tennis, right? Get yourself ready. Do, clear your schedule. Get all of your work done tomorrow because we're all going to be glued in Thursday to that one. But of course, we have really fun matches on Wednesday as well. Want to preview those quickly before we talk about the challenger action going on. Let's start uh, with the matchup of the two 1-0 players, Novak Djokovic taking on Daniil Medvedev. It's going to be the seventh time the two have played. Djokovic currently a 4-2 head-to-head record, though it is worth noting uh, Medvedev has won two out of their last three battles. Djokovic beat him earlier this year, 6 one Five seven six four at the ATP Cup, and you can understand why this is going to be a close battle. Very similar game styles in that both of these players want their opponents to bait them into being uh, aggressive, you know, into prematurely attacking, into taking a neutral ball and trying to be the aggressor when, in fact, they left open so much space. Novak Djokovic, Daniil Medvedev, always going to beat you to the spot, hit that passing shot winner, or just hit that ball uh, that takes time away from you. And again, they're going to create extra opportunities for themselves. Of course, on an indoor hard court, it does feel worth noting. Daniil Medvedev is six foot six, and we saw the success he had on his first serve in Paris. We saw the success he had against Lord Voldemort uh, in, round number, or in match number one here in group play and so yeah I mean I, I expect this match to be a battle at a minimum seven five six four sorts of sets it really is going to come down to if Daniil Medvedev is playing plus one tennis if he's getting easy balls with his first serve that if he can just make holding serve that much easier against Novak Djokovic earn a couple of free points here and there that's critical and you look at the stats in their matchups for Novak Djokovic on return he has won over 55 percent of second serve points against Daniil Medvedev in all but two of their matches. It's funny because uh, one of the times in uh, one of those matches, he ended up losing because Daniil Medvedev, uh, he is over 40% in each of their matchups on the second serve. Uh, he's at you know four, over 47% on four of the occasions in the two matches Daniil Medvedev won. He won over 53% of his second serve points against uh, Medvedev, uh, against Djokovic, excuse me, and in one of the other occasions only won 37% but just managed to steal a break when he needed it. Those stats, of course, coming from our friends at Tennis Abstract. It's simple to say it comes down to the serve, but... You know, that is the biggest differentiation. That is the biggest weapon Daniil Medvedev possesses against Novak Djokovic. Of course, the other thing he has is patience. uh, patience, And you know Daniil Medvedev, this is a match he's going to be amped up for. You're always amped up when you play Novak Djokovic. So, you know, sometimes against a Bautista Agut or, you know, against even an Andre Rublev, you'll see Medvedev start to get impatient, start to get slap happy, throw in serve and volleys and... uh, over ambitious shots when he should not. I don't think we should expect any of that tomorrow. Similarly, though, I think we should expect a locked in Novak Djokovic. You saw it against Diego Schwartzman. There's no reason to expect it to be any different tomorrow. 
I think the match goes three sets. I think this iteration of Novak Djokovic, the way he's locked in, I think he goes undefeated in the— well, I don't know. We'll see. I think he wins this match, but I do expect it to go the distance. I think it's going to be a really fun one. And again, get your popcorn ready, folks, because that is a very fun match. Of course, we also have Alex Virev against Diego Schwartzman. They've played four times in their careers, 2-2 two, two, head-to-head. Uh, uh, of course, Zverev beat Schwartzman 2-1 and one in Cologne a couple of weeks ago. Indoor hardcore tennis, you favor the guy who's six foot six, playing the guy who's a generous five foot six. Uh, but we saw this match recently. I don't have much more to add. The weapons advantage goes to Zverev. We'll see how he plays. Certainly, Schwartzman played well against Djokovic. Djokovic was just Djokovicing around the court, and it's hard to beat him when he is in that sort of zone. Uh, but both should be really fun matches in London tomorrow. Again, no disrespect to Diego Schwartzman. as don't want to talk about his opponent. If I don't have to, I would say for Schwartzman, the pathway to success is patience. I mean, obviously, energy from start to finish. Get in your opponent's head. Make the match mental. And I, I Schwartzman's not that sort of guy, right? Schwartzman uh, is going to stay, stay around in the match. The problem is if you let his opponent linger, that's when he happens to you uh, every so often remember that he's six foot six, But... You know, Diego Schwartzman is going to put so much pressure on you. There's absolutely a pathway to victory for him tomorrow. Uh, But it should be two really fun matches in London. With that in mind, of course, only two singles matches. There's also doubles matches in play tomorrow. Uh, But if you need tennis to fill your hours, thankfully, we have Livestream.com slash ATP. We have the USTA Pro Circuit with three challengers going on this week. Let's start with the action in Orlando. Our winners on the day. In terms of the Americans, Mackie McDonald, a straight set winner over Gavishvili, Chapel a winner over Ramanathan for Tangela, really impressive win. And he has looked great uh, over these past two tournaments. Lost first round to Jack Sock and Carey, but that was a top 100 level match. Here a 3-3 three and three victory over Daniel Galan, who, of course, so good on the clay. Uh, big run for him at the French Open, but Fratangelo just worked him in this match. Dennis Kudla continues his outstanding 4-4-3 four and four and victory over Kevin King. Brandon Nakashima imposing his will against Roberto Sid. Didn't have any weapons to hurt Nakashima. If you can't take time away from him, he's going to win. You down one in three victory for him. Alex Richard, really impressive four and three victory over Ulysses Blanche. I keep waiting for Blanche to pop. It hasn't happened yet. We'll talk about that more, I'm sure, during this offseason. Tiago Montiero, one in three over Stefan Kozlov. Kozlov, impressive wins in qualifying, not able to get the victory today. Your other winners, Elias Yimmer, very impressive seven five seven six victory over former world junior number one, uh, Jason Sung, uh, Pranesh Gunaswar. Warren 3-5 over Dumbia to wrap up all the play in Orlando. Of course, I'm going to text Mike Cation. We'll get him on the podcast. I know he's too busy right now doing his own thing, but as soon as things wind down in Orlando, I absolutely want to hear his takeaways because obviously getting Challenger Tennis back is critical to having a 2021 season. So it's a storyline all of us will be monitoring. And then tomorrow we will be monitoring the action. Some very fun matches. Eubanks, Marita, Svitaman versus Popko. Uh, 
Kipson versus Kudla, Wu versus Gunaswaran. Uh, we will talk about those matches more on tomorrow's mini breaks for our other challengers. We've got the action going on in Italy. Your winners today, Antoine Huang, 7-6 in the third over Rinderneck. That match screamed take the over. Hopefully you did. A very fun match. Hertais, a, a third set winner over Masur. Your other winners, Karlovsky, number two seed Ilya Ivashka, number eight seed uh, Martin Klezan, Julian Lenz, the former Baylor standout, three and five over Lucas Klein, and then Roberto Marcora, another victory over young fellow Italian and young uh, number four seeded Lorenzo Musetti, three and six. Musetti, though, this was a positive year for Lorenzo Musetti. To, so, to any of you who want to overreact over these past two losses, don't worry about it. He has looked just fine. He is someone absolutely to circle heading into 2021 in terms of tomorrow's matches. More fun action. Huang versus Kotov, Marchenko, Grenier, Karatsev, Martyrer, Clark Muller, Nardi, Mahak, uh, and Gayo versus Celik Velik. Uh, should be a really fun day of challenger action. And then finally, we have our last challenger going on right now in Ecuador. Uh, a bunch of upsets on the day. We saw number one seeded Federico Coria knocked off by Roca Batala, 7-6-6-7-7-6. We saw number seven seed Emilio Gomez knocked out by Mina, 3-6-7-6-6-2. Now, we did have some seeds emerge victorious. Carbeas Benia, Sosa, a three-set winner. Uh, uh, and then Munar, a three-set winner as well. Your other winners on the day, Jajong in three, Lindell in straight sets, Baez five and six over Kiroz. So a bunch of close matches in Ecuador tomorrow. Uh, probably expecting more of the same. Munar versus Lindell, Baez versus Mena, Martin versus Burias Vera, and Varias versus Surandolo. So all the way around, of course, ITF matches in Egypt, I believe, this week. Where else? In Greece, I believe. Uh, elsewhere as well. So tons of... Of great tennis for all of our te- all of us tennis fans to follow all week long. Of course, if you have missed anything that's gone on in the tennis world to help you catch up on all of the action, just go to our website, crackrackets.com. You can find this, the great podcast, the Great Shot podcast, Cracked Interviews, and Inside Out podcast, which of course I will ask again that you like, rate, subscribe, review to, and share with your friends. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates throughout the day, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook, YouTube, let's admit it, we're all on it, no matter matter where we are, you can subscribe at Cracked Rackets. You want to follow me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flagner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out, of course, as well to our friends at Aerobar and uh, Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to Aerobar.com. Use the promo code CRACK15 so that you can look good, you can feel good, then you can go out on court and you could play good as well. But with that in mind, for our wonderful friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.